everybody. Time for another episode of Alive, brought to you by the Asher Longevity Institute, committed to the science-based and easy-to-implement lifestyle changes you need in order to live a much longer and much healthier life. Today's show is made possible through the generous support of Peoples Unlimited, a premier longevity company in Phoenix, Arizona. Peoples Unlimited is a co-sponsor of the Coalition for Radical Life Extension's annual Rad Fest. Learn more about the festival and, the, and register for the October 2 through 4 live stream program of longevity experts at rlecoalition.com. That's rlecoalition.com. I'm Dave Potts in the Asher Longevity Institute studio in Washington, D.C., together with the host of Alive, John Asher, CEO and co-founder of the Asher Longevity Institute. The title of the show is Tune Your Diet to Promote a Healthy Gut Microbiome. This is the fourth in a set of 10 podcasts by John Asher of the Asher Longevity Institute. In the first podcast, John described the fundamental reasons we die and the many contributing causes. He also gave an overview of the nine steps to achieve an unlimited life. In this podcast, John will describe the details of step three, eating a diet tuned for a healthy gut microbiome in order to preclude 11 diseases and three conditions. Hello, John. Let's talk about what we eat. Thank you, Dave. Great to be with you again. Our microbiome is so important. And the reason is, if we don't watch what we're eating and eat the wrong things and have a lot of bad bacteria in our gut, we can cause up to 11 diseases. I'm just going to name them off quickly. Celiac disease, Crohn's disease, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease that a third of the people in the country have got hepatitis, colitis, multiple sclerosis, type 2 diabetes, 30% of the people in the U.S. are pre-diabetic and 10% actually have it, lupus, irritable bowel disease, and rheumatoid arthritis. And many of them have the three other conditions, small intestine bowel overgrowth, small intestine fungi overgrowth, and irritable bowel syndrome. So imagine if we don't have the right healthy gut microbiome, any of these can happen. When you look at the percentages of people who have them, almost everybody has one of them. So let's start with a couple of definitions. Many people think the gut is just the stomach. Well, actually our gut is our whole digestive system that goes all the way from when we take food in until the rest comes out. All of that's called our gut, our entire digestive system. Our microbiome, is what's in our entire digestive system or what's in our gut. And our gut is full of trillions of bacteria, viruses, fungi, worms. It's mainly bacteria, and there's five pounds of bacteria in our microbiome. And of course, there's good and bad bacteria. Probiotics is the name of the good bacteria in our gut. Prebiotics is the food our good bacteria like to eat. Now, I'm sure many of you have heard of probiotic supplements. Their job is to add good live bacteria to our microbiome. And having a majority of good bacteria in our microbiome will greatly increase lifespan. And having the majority of bad bacteria will lead to all those diseases I mentioned. So there's a lot at stake here with our microbiome. Just to give you some ideas about prebiotics, that is the food, mostly high fiber food, 
that our probiotics, the good bacteria like to eat, is certain fruit, raspberries, apples, papaya, avocado, chicory root, which is essentially 68% insoluble fiber. So great, great. The microbiome loves, the prebiotics love them. And certain vegetables, asparagus, okra, mushrooms, flaxseed, shallots and leeks, seaweed, all leafy green vegetables, yams, parsnips, sweet potatoes. So all those foods are great to eat. They're called prebiotic food because our probiotics, the good bacteria in our gut, love to eat them. Now our gut, the microbiome in our gut, is connected by the vagus nerve, the vagus nerve in our body, that goes from our stem cell in our brain to the heart, the lungs, and to our gut. And there are eight times as many messages that flow from our gut to the brain as there are from the brain to the gut. So our gut microbiome then influences our thoughts, our actions, our sense of smell, and our cravings. They don't actually come from the brain, they come from the gut. Going to the brain, so the brain will let us know. So many of the researchers now call our gut the second brain. And it kind of leads to, we were chatting earlier about the term, the gut instinct. Now also another great part of the gut is it has a lining and it's a strong lining, but it's very thin. And it protects our gut from anything bad coming into the gut. And it prevents the bacteria in our gut from getting out to our blood, bloodstream, lymph system, and organs. So once the bacteria will pass through the gut lining, they ignite the immune system causing this widespread chronic inflammation. So a term we've all heard, if you've been listening to the other podcasts, we're talking about chronic inflammation in every single podcast. And that can result in what many of the listeners have heard as the leaky gut syndrome. That's what leads to those 10 diseases and 11 conditions. Bad bacteria love the Western diet. That includes all these things we shouldn't be eating. Lectins, the protein in all grains, dairy products for most Western cows, sugar and artificial sugar substitutes, red meat, high glycemic index, meaning high sugar content, carbohydrates, and manufactured vegetable oils. The good bacteria, the probiotics, love the vegan diet. So when we switch to a way of eating that feeds the good bacteria, overall health literally improves within days. So to give an example of how powerful the gut is on influencing everything, um, I went on a five-day cleanse of my gut about three years ago, described in The Longevity Paradox by Dr. Gundry, one of the best longevity books. And he basically said, go on a restricted diet, eat, eat only good stuff for your gut, and after about five days, things will really change around. And so I did. I was down at the beach anyway. It was just my wife and I, so why not? There's no outside pressures, need anything else. So then we came back and we're at a birthday party for one of our grandkids. And everybody's watching the grandkids all around the table eating and the cake and, and that sort of thing. And then the, I heard the back door open and then there's this horrible smell. And I didn't look around, but I whispered to my wife, I said, honey, What's that horrible smell? She looked around and said, she said, uh, what, what do you mean? That's the pizza. So my gut now was telling my brain, don't eat it, making it smell bad to me. It's changed my sense of smell. 
So the things I shouldn't eat smell horrible, which is crazy. I used to love pizza, but not now. So let's take a look at one of the first problems, and that is lectin. So lectin is a sticky protein in all plants that plants millions of years ago started producing as a defense against being eaten by insects and animals millions of years ago. We only started cultivating grain, we humans, about 10,000 years ago. So our guts have not learned to digest lectin well. And the trouble with lectin, especially lectin from wheat, is it will easily break through the gut lining and invade the rest of our body. So the main reason not to eat grains is to keep your gut microbiome healthy and not let that bacteria in your microbiome leak out into our bloodstream, organs, and lymphatic system. So the bottom line is don't eat grains. Also, don't eat animals, poultry, or farm-raised fish that are fed grains because it's in their system. And now many of you have heard about how great beans and peas and chickpeas and lentils are, and they are great. Great protein, great fiber, but they're lectin bombs. They're full of lectin. So if you're going to eat those, pressure cook them first, or do what I do, just buy the Eden, E-D-E-N brand, get up at Whole Foods, of any of those beans, peas, lentils that have been pre-pressure cooked. So they've gotten rid of all the lectin. Now to give you a kind of a fun idea, some of you may remember your grandmother or your mother soaking beans overnight before cooking them the next day. And the reason was she knew that if she didn't do that, soak them, that it could cause digestive upset for people who ate them the next day. What she didn't know was why, and the why is the lectin. And when you soak beans, you only get rid of half of the lectin. So if you want to get rid of them all, they got to be pressure cooked or pre-pressure cooked by the manufacturer. And many, many products now are available that are grain-free. There's a whole Siete brand, a Hispanic brand of tortilla chips, quesadillas, and any, anything else you want that's, that, that you, you normally would eat that would be made of grains is now totally made of cassava root and also cooked with avocado oil, a great oil for us, a natural oil. There's also coconut chips made with coconut flour and cassava flour and coconut oil. That's all that's in it, just that, those three ingredients. I'm actually addicted to the darn things. Because why do you keep eating them? I'm just saying, my gut is telling me to eat those. A second is cows. So about 2000 years ago in Northern Europe, there was a genetic mutation that changed the basic protein in cow milk from casein A2 to casein A1. And the trouble with casein A1 is it causes an attack on our immune system. And it explains why 65% of Americans are what are called lactose, the sugar in milk, intolerant. Actually, what we really are is intolerant of that protein casein A1. And most of the breeds of cows in Switzerland, France, and Italy did not suffer that mutation. So their, their dairy products are still okay to eat, but not most of the ones in the U.S. So you can get great cheeses from Switzerland, France, and Italy, and it's fine to eat them, but not the cheeses manufactured in the U.S. And you can also get goat milk butter and clarified butter, ghee, with no dairy. Easy now to get goat milk and goat yogurt. And there's also a brand of milk now called A2. In other words, casein A2, not the casein A1 or the bad milk. Some of you may have been reading that. It was a 60 Minutes special. 
that over a million small dairy farmers have gone out of business in the last 10 years. And actually, the, lar the two largest dairy farmers in the U.S. recently filed for Chapter 11. So most of the public is starting to, to, to get onto this now. Cow milk just isn't that great for us, especially the cow milk in the U.S. Third would be sugar. Most of you, I'm sure, know sugar is not a food. <laughs> and it's just a food additive. And there is no biochemical reaction in any animal cell that requires sugar. And it is addictive for the same path through the same brain pathways that alcohol is addictive. And the trouble with sugar is this. Remember the low-fat fad from many years ago, Dr. Alan Keyes, all turned out to be BS, but, and so the manufacturers started making food that was low-fat. Well, the trouble was when you got real of fat, the food tasted horrible. So they added sugar and typically salt. Any of these great sounding foods, low-fat salad dressing, barbecue, pasta sauce, breakfast cereals, fruit juices, soft drinks, baked goods, candy and cakes, molasses honey, keep going on down the list, are full of sugar. I used to love ketchup. The ketchup is actually 25% sugar, which is unbelievable. So I'm not eating too much ketchup anymore. And here's the problem with sugar. The bad bacteria in our microbiome love simple sugar. And in addition to that, sugar and artificial sweeteners kill the good gut bacteria. So sugar is addictive. And so are all these artificial sweeteners. Now the good news is there are natural sweeteners, monk fruit and stevia, both approved by the FDA as sugar substitutes. And both are great. Both have zero calories, and they're both much sweeter than sugar, so you only need a little bit. So, for example, when I buy dark chocolate, buying the Lily brand because it has stevia in it instead of sugar. And my wife just made cookies for the grandkids, and really only two ingredients, cassava flour and monk fruit sweetener. And the grandkids are sucking them up. Actually, I think pretty good, too. Now, sometimes you'll buy things, if you're in a hotel, there'll be the... Uh, the waffle maker, then they have the breakfast syrup, and you get a choice of breakfast syrup or sugar-free. If you get the sugar-free, it's in a little Smucker's container, and it says sugar-free. It's like, yay. Well, let me read you the ingredients in Smucker's sugar-free breakfast syrup. Everybody ready? Sorbitol, an artificial sweetener. Acesulfate potassium, a non-nutritious sweetener. Sugarlose, non-nutritious sweetener. Splenda. Cellulose gum, natural and artificial flavors, caramel colors, xanthan gum, sorbic acid, sodium benzoate, sodium hexmetphosphate, and phosphoric acid, which provides the tangy taste. So what do you all think? Sound yummy? <laughs> no. And some of you have heard about the dangers of high fructose corn syrup added to thousands of processed foods and soft drinks. Thousands. It actually inhibits the liver's ability to process fat, so the fat gets stored leads to obesity, metabolic syndrome, diabetes, and arthrosclerosis. And table sugar that you buy is 50% glucose, but also 50% high fructose corn syrup. I always learn a lot from you on this. I've learned today, for example, that a ketchup pizza would not be very good for me. Unfortunately, a ketchup pizza doesn't sound very good either, so I'm, I'm going to, it'll be easy to avoid that. But it, it's, <laughs> but it's now time for a quick commercial break.
the Asher Longevity Institute developed a nine-step program to guide you to a much longer and much healthier life. Our mission is to make this system easy to understand, simple to execute, and sustainable for the rest of your life. Go to asherlongevity.com today and sign up for the information and access you need to live the longevity lifestyle. That's asherlongevity.com to help you feel better now and achieve the longevity you desire. John, you covered the first three things that we should eat, the first three categories of six, lectins, dairy, and sugar. What are the other three that we should avoid? Well, first, the dangers of eating meat. Now, based on a study of 6,000 people over 18 years who ate a lot of animal protein, four times risk of higher risk of cancer, five times higher risk of diabetes, twice the risk of dying. And the study of people who are vegetarians, vegetable protein does not increase the risk of any age-relating diseases. So meat in general is going to shorten our life if you eat too much. How about the meat substitutes like the Beyond Burger or the Impossible Burger? So my wife and I, about a year ago, when it first came out, we said, hey, yay, let's try this. So we bought a package of burger meat and a package of uh, sausage. We took them home, cooked them up. Actually, tasted, frankly, it tasted great. However, my wife took a look at the ingredients on the package after we'd eaten them. I don't know why I didn't look. Anyway, they're an ultra-processed food, meaning in the Nova Food Classification System, it is the highest, worst processed food you can eat. It has 40 ingredients, including titanium dioxide, which is a whitening agent used in paint, potato starch, which is essentially candy, methyl cellulose, a bulking agent used in laxatives, and 400% more sodium than lean burger meat, and the protein is provided by legumes, peas, and beans, so it's full of lectin. And it contains a ton of manufactured oils, canola and sunflower, which means it's full of omega-6 fatty acids. So in summary, it could not be worse. It's too bad, but it couldn't be worse for us. Now let's look at the danger of pesticides, since we're going to eat a lot of this meat, perhaps. So the pesticide Roundup, we've all heard of it, contains an antibiotic. So the main ingredient in Roundup is glyphosate, and it's an antibiotic. And 93% of us humans test positive for it because we've been eating the grains that have been sprayed with this pesticide or eating the animals who have eaten the same grain. And unfortunately, since microbiome, biotics, good and bad, antibiotics kill our gut bacteria, both good and bad. So imagine when we're eating animal meat and we're eating the grains that they eat, then essentially we're eating all these antibiotics, which are disrupting our gut bacteria. So the kind of the bottom line is stick to organic food. Don't eat any food that's, that is essentially not organic. And essentially organic means no harmful artificial, harmful artificial pesticides. It can mean a whole bunch of different things for different foods, prepackaged salads, eggs, cow's milk, but basically no artificial pesticides in organic food. And there is a part of the Department of Agriculture called the USDA Environmental Working Group, been around for quite some time. And every year it analyzes which foods, typically fruits and vegetables, is it easy to wash off the pesticides and which ones it's essentially impossible. So 
in 2019, they came up with what they referred to as the dirty dozen. That is the fruits and vegetables that have so much pesticides on them and the pesticides get into the actual vegetable or fruit so you can't wash them off. And that celery, spinach, kale, tomatoes, potatoes, apples, peaches, strawberries, nectarines, grapes, cherries, and pears. So I'm sure many of us have heard an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Well, how about a non-organic apple a day? Would that keep the doctor away? No, non-organic apples have 16 chemicals that are hormone disruptors, six chemicals that are known suspected carcinogens, and five neurotoxins. So eat organic. Next, let's look at the dangers of antibiotics that are fed to farm animals. We all kind of know if one of our kids has a ear infection, you go to the doctor, the doctor will prescribe a very specific antibiotic that is tuned to kill the bacteria that cause that infection. If you had another child who got a strep throat and you went to the doctor, you would get a prescription for a different narrowly focused antibiotic to kill that particular bacteria. So imagine all farm animals, commercial farm animals, are administered broad spectrum antibiotics, meaning kills everything, all, all biotics. So very disruptive to our gut microbiome. And not only that, they're all fed these hormones to fatten them up. So the antibiotics, so they don't die prematurely, and hormones to fatten them up. So they just literally wreck, uh, wreck havoc with our microbiome. So let's see what we can eat with respect to fish, shellfish, poultry, and meat. Typically eat four ounces a day is all we really need. And if you're gonna eat fish and shellfish, make sure they're wild caught. So if you take salmon, for example, that are farm raised, farm raised sounds great, doesn't it? Sounds pretty sexy, cool. Well, farm raised are in big bins or they're in ponds and they're fed the following, grain, canola oil, antibiotics, hormones, in many cases, chicken, feces, pellets. So how yummy does that sound when you're eating farm-raised uh, salmon? So if you just go to Whole Foods or Wegmans or Costco, you'll see big fish counter that are all wild-caught. Wild you'll see another counter where it's farm-raised. So based on what I just heard me say is in farm-raised salmon, don't even think about eating it. Couldn't be worse for you. I'll give you a funny example. I'm, I'm out seeing one of my newest-born grandkids in San Francisco at Petaluma. So we all went out to dinner. And so I ordered, I saw the, the salmon on the menu. So I asked the server, is this a farm raised or wild caught? She said, what do you mean? I said, well, could you ask the chef? She said, yeah, I will. So she came back and she said, it's farm raised. I said, well, that's okay. I'll order something else. She said, no, but listen, it's farm raised in Scotland. <laughs> like, okay, thanks so much for that information. So if you're gonna eat poultry, make sure it's pasture raised. I mean, they're out in the pasture eating all kinds of things other than grain and make sure they're not fed antibiotics and hormones. So it's usually pasture-raised is what you want. And same thing with meat, four ounces a week probably, and grass finished, meaning they've been eating grass almost their whole lives. If it just says grass fed, that means they only ate grass at the end of their life, not the whole rest of their lives. So you want it to be grass finished. And again, all of these various foods that I just mentioned, the fish, the selfish, poultry, and meat, all available at Costco, Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, many of it, many of it at Wigman's.
And one of the interesting things, I took a picture at Costco recently, a farm-raised salmon next to the wild-caught salmon. So the farm-raised salmon is a real light pink color. And actually, when they come out of the pond, they're gray. The color of the salmon is gray. And they add color to make it a light pink. When you look at the picture of the, the color of the farm-raised salmon, it's a bright, bright orange, totally different color. And of course, one of the reasons the wild-caught's so good for us is they're eating the algae, and the algae is full of omega-3. It's why salmon has so much omega-3, but not in the farm, not so much. You can also get, again, pasture-raised chickens without hormones and antibiotics. You can get pasture-raised eggs that are organic and pasture-raised. You can get organic ground beef uh, that is grass-fed, 100% organic. Quick example, I was in Vegas recently doing a big presentation to the longevity group, and we were at the one of those big resorts. They had a bunch of restaurants around the casino, and one of them was real nice. It was a white tablecloth steakhouse. And so it's with John Edwards, one of our partners, and they really did have on the menu filet or organic, pasture-fed, grass-fed, pasture-raised, grass-fed beef. So you can actually get it even at restaurants now. So let's take a quick review of what we shouldn't be eating for our gut microbiome. No lectin, no dairy for most U.S. cows, no sugar and artificial sugar substitutes. No glycemic fruits and vegetables being the high sugar content. An obvious example would be a, a ripe banana. Poultry and red meat fed grains and antibiotics and our hormones and fish or shellfish that are farm raised. Give another quick example. If you buy farm raised shrimp at any grocery store, they are literally mealy. If you buy wild caught shrimp, it's actually crunchy. So easy to tell the difference and no industrial oils. So let's see what we should be eating. It's actually a longer list. So like, yay. Proteins from nuts, mushrooms, and vegetables. Vegetables and fruit with a low glycemic or low sugar content. Dairy from sources other than most USA cows. Fish and shellfish in limited amounts and only wild caught. Poultry in limited amounts and pasture raised with no antibiotics or hormones. Very little red meat and grass-fed with no antibiotics or hormones, the natural oils, olive, avocado, coconut, fermented foods that are adding good bacteria to our gut. So that's why a lot of people like sauerkraut and kimchi and kombucha. It's because they've got that live bacteria. And of course, organic foods. That's what we should be eating. And there are many vegetables that have a lot of protein. Be surprised. So the following have four to five grams of protein per cup, cooked cup. Broccoli, spinach, asparagus, artichokes, potatoes, and sweet potatoes. And legumes, the peas, beans, and chickpeas have a ton of protein, 22 grams of protein per cup. But again, they should be pressure cooked. So let's see what a typical day would look like. This is actually a typical day for me. Breakfast, I'm going to eat a close fistful each of walnuts pistachios and macadamia nuts, and a cup of mixed berries, including about half of them will be raspberries because of their prebiotic nature and high fiber content. For lunch, you almost always have a smoothie. And the reason is if you try to eat a great big salad, it could take 15, 20 minutes. You can drink a smoothie in about three minutes. So 
I'll make six smoothies at once in a big blender. I'll put in eight leafy green vegetables, a half of avocado, a green banana, low sugar content, six ounces of goat yogurt, a teaspoon each of hemp parts and flaxseed, sauerkraut, olive oil, hemp or coconut milk, unsweetened as a liquid, and then seven different hermetic spices that we'll talk about in step six. And then for dinner, I'll add four ounces of fish, poultry or red meat once a week, cooked with low heat, steamed or roasted vegetables and mushrooms with olive oil, and then for dessert, say two figs, either fresh or, or dried. And now when you buy dried fruit, you have one of two choices. It'll have sugar and oil added, or it'll be just the fruit. So if you're gonna eat dried fruit, which I like, then make sure it's just the fruit and organic. Here's another typical day when you're following this routine. Breakfast might be two eggs cooked in olive oil with low heat and a cup of fruit, and a cup of fruit of those great vegetables with all that fiber in them, orange, apple, say tart cherries. Lunch might be a, a large salad with mushrooms, mobile leafy greens, and other low glycemic vegetables with olive oil and vinegar dressing. And then dinner again, four ounces of fish, poultry, red meat, cooked with low heat, steamed broccoli, cauliflower, and fennel, and then a coconut milk ice cream bar. And now there's just a, a ton of opportunity to buy other than ice cream, which is a highly processed food. There's lots of non-dairy ice cream. The one I like is the So Delicious brand, and it's got about 150 calories per ice cream bar with all the good ingredients. So this sounds like an awful lot. And so what we've come up with that's on our website, you can take a look at, is if you were gonna transfer from eating a Western diet and having a bad microbiome full of bad bacteria, and you want it to shift, doing everything I suggest in this podcast is a lot of stuff to do. So I've got 12 steps. So if you and your partner said, okay, we wanna shift, but we can't be crazy about this, and we just took one step a month, what would that look like? Here's what it would sound like. So step one, just start eating much less of processed foods. Step two, start consuming much less sugar and artificial sugar substitutes. So shift to those natural sugars. Three, eat red meat only once a week and only grass-fed with no antibiotics or hormones. The fourth month, shift when you eat fish and shellfish, shift to only wild caught, again, with no antibiotics or hormones. Month number five, eat poultry infrequently, and again, only pasture-raised with no antibiotics or hormones. Month number six, increase consumption of protein from nuts, mushrooms, and leafy green vegetables. Month seven, start buying mainly organic food. That's why I always shop at Whole Paycheck, I mean Whole Foods, <laughs> because it's mainly organic foods with no pe meaning no pesticides. Month eight, just cut out all grains, legumes, unless they're pressure cooked. Month nine, start eating low glycemic low sugar content fruits and vegetables frequently. Month number 10, substitute goat and sheep products for cow and dairy products, meaning milk, cheese, and yogurt. Month 11, cut out all manufactured oils and start using natural oils, coconut and avocado for high heat and olive oil for low heat. And shift to month 12, shift drinking habits to maybe one, one or two glasses, depending on whether you're male or female, of red wine per day. And the reason for red wine is white wine has a lot of sugar. 
that is a way to organize yourself to go from a bad microbiome to a good microbiome by just taking one step a month. That's really great information, John. It, you've gone over the things that we shouldn't eat, good things that we should eat, and 12 steps to make progress. It truly is, according to the old phrase, we are what we eat. Is that correct? But it's, but it's not just that. As I understand it, the next podcast, you're going to be covering keeping your standard biomarkers in the optimum range by doing periodic testing and taking action when any of these biomarkers are out of the optimum range. So something else to look forward to. And thank you, everybody. That's all the time we have for today. Be sure to visit us at asherlongevity.com to learn more about the science, supplements, and strategies to live a much longer and much happier life. From now until then, John Asher reminds us, reminds you that looking after your health today gives you better hope for tomorrow. That's going to wrap it up for another edition of Alive, right here on the Funnel Radio Network for listeners like you. Mm-hmm.